0: I'm Mary Bliss McCrossan, and you're listening to Teaching Through Trauma, a podcast series by Teach for America, Greater New Orleans, as a part of our 30 by 30 transformation storytelling series. This series explores the impact of TFA's network of core members, alumni, and partners on Louisiana's education system over the past 30 years. Episode 3, When It Rains. In our previous episodes, we explored the ways in which trauma impacts teachers, students, and schools, and the different approaches to trauma-informed practices that can support communities as they move towards healing. Most of these interviews were completed prior to the beginning of the 2021 school year in Louisiana, so one major event was missing, Hurricane Ida. When Hurricane Ida hit South Louisiana, it brought up traumatic memories for people across the country who had experienced Hurricane Katrina. Not only did Ida make landfall on the 16th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, it was also a stronger storm and seemed to have New Orleans directly in its path. Many families, including my own, were able to evacuate before the storm hit. Having only lived in New Orleans for 10 years, it was my first time experiencing an evacuation. In evacuation traffic, it took us 9 hours to go 150 miles, which was just barely out of the path of the storm. During that ride, and in the days that followed, as the damage from Hurricane Ida became clearer, I kept thinking about the stories from Hurricane Katrina that Chris Mays and Brian DePlanche had shared with me. How Brian and his family had to sleep in their car while trying to evacuate, and how Chris ended up in Houston at the Astrodome with 25,000 other evacuees. And I kept coming back to another TFA alumna story, a New Orleans native and 2005 Corps member, Tawana Pierre Floyd.
1: I am passionate about the students of New Orleans. This is my city, I love it. I like many cities
0: but there is no city quite like New Orleans um, and its people. Tawana had the unique experience of being a first-year teacher during Hurricane Katrina and also a school leader during the pandemic and Hurricane Ida. In a piece she wrote for the book Reinventing America's Schools she said, I know that sometimes the story we tell of New Orleans education before Katrina is a really negative one but there were incredible teachers, incredible schools here before I got here whose shoes I stand in, and whose shoulders I'm standing on. Tawana and her siblings attended New Orleans public schools, and she committed to teaching in those same schools after she graduated from Howard University. When Katrina hit New Orleans, Tawana had barely been teaching for two weeks at the same school that her sister and brother had graduated from the year before. She was excited to start teaching and had been thinking, planning, and dreaming about what the structures of that school would be she also had a husband and a young son. Initially,
1: actually, this is kind of a fun fact. um, I found out about Katrina through a home visit. Um, One thing that is generally true for New Orleanians, especially at that time, is storms can be treated relatively cavalierly. They happen so frequently that it's not always the case that there's a major panic when a storm is coming. And so it wasn't a conversation I'd had with my family at length. I'd been relatively absorbed with like <laughs> life and school and what have you. And so I did a home visit on the Saturday, uh, talking to a student about her child, her daughter, who had skipped my detention. And it was a great conversation. And it ended with her asking what we were going to do for the upcoming storm. And i names that didn't know it was happening uh, she walked through her thoughts and plans and I went home uh, and we as per usual were pretty um, young teacher poor and so we had that little 13 inch TV from Hibernia bank that you get for opening an account uh, turned on that that tiny little black and white and um, listened to Bob Breck talk about the storm and grew pretty concerned um, from there like there was a line he said about there won't be enough body bags and that Was enough for me especially with um, my husband who's not from uh, New Orleans he's from Maryland and my my very young baby and so um, we decided at that moment really to evacuate.
0: They decided to go to Vicksburg Mississippi to stay with her husband's family. She called her family in New Orleans and begged them to evacuate as well which they eventually did. She left with some Batman room decorations that her mother had bought for her son, a few days worth of clothing, and her long-term teaching plan because she, like most people evacuating, assumed she'd be home in a few days and would be back in the classroom. Clearly, that wasn't what happened. Once the devastation of Katrina became clear, Tawana knew she wasn't going back to New Orleans anytime soon. Teach for America let her know about the new KIP school called KIP New Orleans West, or KIP Now, that was starting in Houston, specifically for students who evacuated for Katrina. The school was a collaborative effort, primarily led by TFA Corps members and alumni. So Tawana and her family headed to Houston to help.
1: I wanted personally to teach in New Orleans, and I wanted to teach students of New Orleans because I am a student of New Orleans. And so it was really, um, it felt impactful to be a part of something like this, especially knowing, um, like those families, just what was lost. Um, and a lot of what was lost, some some of which was like directly physical, a lot of which was intangible, um, a loss of sense of security that you had at home was a place that you understood, a loss of like the pictures from your youth or diplomas and these awards and things that you, you know, worked for and earned. And so like in a world where I pretty explicitly understood that, I felt really inspired to work with students who could were kind of in the same
0: world that I was in. The experience was one that created a strong bond amongst the TFA Corps members, affectionately called the Huracore, that taught at the school. They saw firsthand how important their leadership was to students who had just experienced the same traumatic event that they had also experienced. The school they created was an anchor of security for students and teachers alike during an incredibly chaotic and precarious time.
1: So many more of my core members, I think, stayed around in education because of how intense that uh, experience was and how much it like almost grafted us to education as justice. And I mean, I'm still in and not going anywhere anytime soon.
0: True to her words, Tawana came back to teach with Kip in New Orleans as soon as she was able. She went on to be the school leader for Kip Renaissance High School, which is now called Frederick A. Douglas High School. When I originally spoke to her in the summer of 2021, I was interested in how the trauma that she saw in her students after Katrina related to the trauma that her students were experiencing during the COVID-19 pandemic.
1: It would be foolish of me to uh, pretend like I'm an expert on that, um, but I can name some of the ways that I saw flash, you see it show up. Um, some of it is like lost educational time, which doesn't sound um like a traditional drama but like absolutely was like it's academic habits that you're going to need to really sustain you in college that you now are further behind on it's actual academic skills and things like um math where we know that those subjects are like you build on it year over year and so if you didn't have a high quality algebra experience that's going to impact you for years to come it's not just going to be a kind of like Oh yeah, that was just you know not the best ninth grade year. You you have to you and the school and your family have to do kind of double time to make sure that you're still okay. There is, I think, to the point that was raised earlier, a continued just instability. Like what I think one of the things that is um, a privilege for kids to get to experience it is just base level steady security where you know what the world is, you know what your, where your next space will be, you know, just you know how the, the kind of shape and boundaries of the world. And I don't, I think it is um, not necessarily possible to overstate the impact of having everything that you know being ripped from you. Um, and like I said, for Katrina, it was very localized. Um, for COVID, I think for all of us, it like really took our moorings out from under us um, more collectively. Um, but I definitely see commonalities in terms of the impact. Um, and then just the social, emotional, like the, not social. Yeah, no, the social, emotional impact of like loss of human connection. Like, I, I don't think, um, in the case of Katrina, there was like the student whose home visit I went to, I was never able to hear from her again. I pray often that her and her family, like. They were not planning to leave at the time. And so, like, I I think about and pray that, like, you know,
0: they were okay. Her response reminded me that some trauma never heals. You just learn to live with it. Tawana had gone 16 years wondering whether or not that family had made it. The memory of that last conversation just sitting in the back of her brain. I wondered whether the impact of COVID-19 had similar traumatic effects for her and what overall impacts she was seeing in our community
1: it's mostly been different to be honest um I think there is something both terrible and better about it not being localized I think as a New Orleanian in particularly as particularly as a black New Orleanian watching once like I was able to like watch tv again and see how things were being discussed it was really painful to listen to how the rest of the country was processing what was happening um, it was painful to be called refugees, um, when you are an American citizen, at least as far as you knew. Um, and so I think the, for Katrina, as an I statement, um, the, a lot of the experience felt really otherizing, whereas for COVID, it, there were, there were more shared experiences. Like this is something we are all going through, but also like riddled with inequity, right? Like there, we saw that there, um, there's so much data saying that uh, white students were more likely to be in school throughout the like critical mass of this process. Whereas it was less frequently true for black and Brown students and thinking about like what impact that's going to have thinking about um, a city like New Orleans, that's so heavily reliant on tourism and like the devastating impact on jobs um, and the devastating impact on the, the lives actually of like, Older kids, because as you named, I work in high school, so like watching how many kids had to become a part of the family's breadwinning system, and like watching kids try to do classes because we did move to synchronous virtual classes on Zoom. Um, how many kids are doing class at work? Um, and like, and, and I applaud them. I'm like, that is impressive. But how many kids didn't do class at work but were at work and and not necessarily in doing so on track to graduate? And so I think it was a more shared experience, but you also, as always, watched um, systemic inequities around race and poverty play out um, in our schools and communities in ways that like, even if the experience of COVID was shared, the weight of its negatives was not evenly shared.
0: I could hear her frustration with the fact that those with the greatest need, mostly families of color and those living in poverty, are often the ones that bear the brunt of the inequities that are often exacerbated from traumatic events. But I also know that frustration feeds Tawana's ability to be an innovative problem solver who doesn't shy away from a challenge. As a Kip Fisher Fellow, she helped start the Early College Academy at Frederick Douglass which gives students the opportunity to earn 60 college credits and an associate's degree by the time they graduate high school. It was the first program of its kind in the state of Louisiana. I knew she'd have some important lessons to take away from her experiences starting a school during the aftermath of Katrina and leading a school through COVID. In
1: terms of like lessons learned, a benefit for me of... um, being a part of the her core as we're sometimes found finally called is very little of my first year teaching was siloed it was not the case that like this was Tawana in her classroom doing whatever like I can close my door and work like the work of New Orleans West was collaborative like we were building an actual school that didn't exist for a, a group Who'd been displaced literally, and so I think I've always I've been lucky enough because of the way my career started to understand and value, frankly, the like the um, need for collaboration. And I think it's also encouraged me to see teaching as leadership, in the sense that like um, I hope that all the teachers that I work with understand that like I don't see the work of teaching as uh, narrowed to just the scope of what you do in your classroom like I want you to dream bigger about what this place could be and about what we collectively can do for kids and and the recognition that like even if I'm lucky enough to be the leader of it that like I don't imagine that any of it can happen with me alone the year that we first um had to leave school for COVID, there were a series of learnings. The year that we opened, knowing that COVID was a thing and knowing that it would be a really (laughs) big year of uncertainty was a set of learnings. Next year is going to be a set of huge learnings because it's going to be the year you welcome 100% of kids back into buildings and like deal with all the things that all of us have forgotten about how we do school. Um, Deal with like some losses on things like there were some real benefits to having smaller classes. Like how do we kind of continue some of the things that did work um, but more importantly how do we like talk to each other enough talk to the, the most important stakeholders like our teachers and our parents enough to make sure that like we are holding on to the right things um, so that we are building a better world than existed before either of those two traumas <laughs>
0: Everything that Tawana had shared with me in that initial interview was an important perspective on how to keep making progress, even when it seemed like insurmountable odds were being stacked against you. One of the things I admire most about her is her ability to always see the opportunity within the challenge. So when Ida hit the city and damaged her school, I knew she'd have more important learnings to share. While communities across the state were devastated by Hurricane Ida's impact, the New Orleans school system fared better than most. Some schools in the greater New Orleans area had damage, but Frederick A. Douglas High School, unfortunately, received some of the worst damage, forcing them to find another location for their students in yet another school year dealing with the complexities of a pandemic. I wanted to know what happened to the school and how Tawana was using her many years of innovative leadership experience to help navigate yet another traumatic event for herself and her school. The day that Tawana and her team began to prepare for the storm, there was a lot to consider. Because Tawana had gone through Katrina herself, she knew that this storm was going to trigger a lot of memories for a lot of people. So her first thought was to support their emotional well-being.
1: I would say when we left, were the, the priority initially was like everybody's personal safety. And as like a school leadership team, school leader myself, like really making sure folks who either like are from here and have personal memories that were pretty triggering around Katrina were were emotionally okay, Um, or that the folks who are not from here and, like, heard stories of Katrina
0: have a really good exit plan and are also okay um, emotionally because it was was scary at that point. She was also concerned about her school building, which was originally built in 1939 and was undergoing some pretty extensive renovations at the time.
1: As with many older buildings, there are some projects being done to... um, get things up to code and speed. Um, when there are two projects happening right now. One is the auditorium project and the one that worried us most at the time is the window project. All the interior windows of the building are being redone. Um, the summer work was taking out all the old windows and the next phase of the work was planned to be um, measuring and creating new new glass um, to get all those interior windows with the best possible um glass and um, insulation and and beauty, right? Um, So that was the plan.
0: But the plan didn't go as planned. The renovations made the school building more vulnerable to the impacts of the storm, which caused significant damage. While they tried to secure it as much as possible, the windows blew in and the rain poured inside of the building. New Orleans public schools stepped in, bringing in huge black tubes and fans to dry out the building so that the extent of the damage could be fully assessed and repairs could begin.
1: As that's unrolling, it becomes clear that like it's going to be a while before we can be home. So um, options were if we spent the first two weeks once school was back in session for most people, um, including all of the rest of the Kip New Orleans schools um, virtual, which we've all done virtual. There are very few things that are fun about it it's actually even harder when not everybody else is doing it. And so for our kids who are far and away, I think not just the best in the city. um, And I would back that up with data. um, So resilient, like they they still did classes, but like they're doing that while all their friends are back at school, back in their buildings. They, you know, were troopers and we could do no less Um, with some real advocacy from KIPP New Orleans and some support from OPSB and, some grace from Lusher, we found and Blackley to um, actually convert the Marsalis building, formerly the Allen building, um, for our school. And then with tons of volunteers, um, staff members, community members, just were able to turn the building around and have it ready for kids in a week. And so by that next Monday, um, with all buses, we were able to get kids back in the building.
0: Getting the kids to the new building seemed to be the next daunting challenge. Frederick Douglass High School is located on St. Claude in the Ninth Ward of New Orleans, and the temporary school location was located in Uptown, several miles away. This posed a number of transportation problems that could potentially keep kids from coming back to school. With some ingenuity, Tawana and her team decided to have two buses pick up the kids at Douglass in the mornings. One of her staff members, Mr. Lang, who was a legend in the city, would go to the Douglas building every morning to make sure the kids were able to safely get from their parents' cars to the Douglas buses, and then to the new campus. It wasn't a perfect system, but it provided parents with more options instead of having to drive to an entirely different part of the city for pickup and drop-off each day. We thought,
1: you know, this is such a, like, slog, we're going to have maybe 50 kids, and that first day, like, the very first day, they were, like, 200 kids, and we're, like, holy wow, like, our families, like, made it happen. They dropped everything and like got themselves from the east from the west bank from wherever to uptown and made sure their kids were in
0: school so yet another hurdle was cleared next came the task of trying to get students back on track with their learning at this point tawana students have gone through virtual learning during covid more virtual learning due to ida while navigating the personal and academic obstacles from both experiences that has to have a significant impact on kids I asked Tawana how she thought these compounded experiences had impacted her students. They're outliers, to be honest. Uh, But there are some kids who, like, I think,
1: grew some real personal skills around, like, independent learning, the stuff I've been talking about through this, because, like, there wasn't an opportunity for the level of handholding. But there are more kids, I would argue, and I think the data would support, that were devastated by this, that needed, like, just straight up in-person instruction that needed somebody like watching the work they were doing and giving them redirection um we had this year more kids than i in my career and that includes actually early years at um mac 15 and, and now college prep that are reading like significantly below grade level and i do tag that directly back to things like Covid and loss, and I had end loss, and so there. And then the emotional impact of like kids, school, another like major role role of school that we don't talk about always, but should is like um, socializing. Kids are in school to learn how society works and how to navigate life. Kids are behind on that. They like. The ninth graders are seventh graders. Like <laughs> the second they get to like hit the playground, or night, I'm calling them playground because that's how they treat you. they start running around. It's it's funny to watch because like typically in my experience, ninth graders are too cool for school. And so there's a lot of loss on like what is life, what is school, how do I navigate relationships with other people,
0: in addition to
1: the academic
0: losses. Those are important questions. But even as Tawana explores the deeper traumas impacting her kids she noticed some real bright spots. So while a lot of her kids were struggling, she also saw the important lessons kids were learning from their experiences.
1: Yes, they, you know, struggled with having more taken out from under them, but they also learned to be really resilient. You had to figure out, like, I don't necessarily know what next year's going to look like. I don't know what um, structures will exist, but I know that I can actually thrive through any, no matter what. And so I definitely appreciate that about this generation of kids like they are more willing to question they're more willing to advocate uh for what they like they don't believe in, a, in the same way that i think generations previous believed that the world just is what it is they're like no we've seen firsthand that like the world can change unexpected unexpectedly on a dime and so i expect to have more say in how i shape my world which is brilliant and kind of a gift to be uh Annoying sometimes as a principal, of course, Uh, but as a whole, just a gift to to, to witness uh, young adults stepping into that.
0: With so much negative news about how kids and families have suffered through the last couple of years, that was admittedly reassuring to hear. I also wanted to know what Tawana herself was going to take away from everything she's gone through. What innovations did she and her team create that could reinvent their work in the future? about things like um
1: at the high school level like the ability to do a hybrid of in-person and virtual parent conferences that you can reach nearly 100% of parents on a regular basis right like that's a thing that like is not going to go away same for like parent pto pta meetings where like families can engage at their own comfort level pretty consistently even when like we're back to normal it will have structures that we've you know designed in ways that could like change the game on what parent engagement in particular looks like, because I just, I think like it you can get into a rut of doing school and forget to innovate. And I think these experiences have forced us to innovate. You like, you didn't have a choice. We never faced whole virtual schools. You never faced some of these uh, very specific challenges. And so those two, I also think, I think that, Another way that, like, school and how schools run potentially
0: has been um, maybe irrevocably changed. Changed? Without a doubt. I don't know how schools, or really anything, can ever go back to pre-pandemic norms. We've all gone through so much together and learned more than we probably cared to know. But as Tawana pointed out, some of those lessons were incredibly eye-opening and ultimately very helpful. Many schools have learned to communicate with parents and families in entirely new ways, creating a much higher level of engagement in their communities. Schools that hadn't incorporated technology in their classrooms have had to move on to digital platforms, which has allowed them to gather student engagement data in real time. And as this series suggests, more schools and community organizations are starting to implement greater levels of trauma-informed practices. Tawana's experiences have been extreme in many ways, and she's learned and overcome so much through it all. So, what advice can she offer to other educators going through traumatic experiences? So, I think one, give yourself
1: grace. I think, like, um, I know so much more now than I knew at any of the other Tawanas you met, and and that's true for all of us. We, you're wiser, stronger, more skilled as long as you stick with it than you were before and like sit with that sometimes. I think it's so hard when you do this work, that's so consequential to so just like you, I, I statement, man, like I beat myself up a lot about like, what isn't yet what I needed to be. And I don't necessarily like other people are better about celebrating me than I'm celebrating myself, which is, I mean, that's because I have great people around me, but like celebrate yourself a little bit and, and be proud that you made it and, or are making it. I think the other thing um, that I hope is uplifting is like, I think I've always believed this, but more than ever, there's always something to learn in any situation. I'm probably sharper and stronger now, two years later, than I would have been if this was just two normal years later. I think in that world, I would have kind of just run the same plays and, and hopefully gotten better at them. I like to push myself to develop, you know, be developed, but I'm, this forces you to do some of that like pushing and learning and growing and, and experimenting that you might not do otherwise and so like stay in that mode, like step back with yourself. I'm not a journaler and some people are like, I'm, I applaud it, but like step back and just reflect on like what are you learning
0: in these situations. Tawana's reflections shed a valuable light on the lessons we can take from traumatic experiences. When I reflect on my own experiences and the conversations I've had through this series, it reminds me that we all deal with trauma in different ways, but from trauma can come real opportunities for growth. Not always, but it's possible. Whether it's an individual or collective experience at home or in school, a hurricane or pandemic or the daily traumas of living, we all will encounter trauma at some point in our lives. That's why reflection is so necessary to make sense of and learn from our experiences and their impacts on ourselves, our families, communities, and schools. Tawana's reflections give me hope. I'm hopeful that children, families, and schools will come out of these experiences as stronger and more resilient versions of themselves. I'm hopeful that trauma-informed practices will become a priority for schools and districts across the country. We need it. In our last episode, Dana Cager mentioned the impact that her work with Safe Schools NOLA had on her. They are just one group in a collective of leaders who are providing vital trauma-informed care services to schools and communities across GNO. In spring of 2015, a multi-agency collaboration with representatives from the New Orleans Health Department, the Institute of Women and Ethnic Studies, NOLA Public Schools, and other institutions was created and named the New Orleans Trauma-Informed Schools Learning Collaborative. Their approach included training teachers to recognize signs of trauma, find ways to make children feel safe, teach coping skills, and eliminate harsh discipline policies. They, along with other organizations and consultants, are all a part of the same ecosystem that is amplifying the need for trauma-informed care at all levels, from the school level to the policy level. Louisiana, like much of the rest of the country, has a long way to go before we can say that all schools are trauma-informed. There are currently only a handful of states that have statewide policies in place for trauma-informed practices in schools. Louisiana not only doesn't have a statewide policy, we also don't have a clear understanding of the role that mental health professionals play in our schools. We have just started down this path, but are heading in the right direction. And with leaders like Tawana Pierre Floyd and others leading our schools, I'm confident we'll get there. Thanks for joining us on this journey through exploring the impacts of trauma in schools and communities across Louisiana. Be sure to check out our other stories from over 30 years of Teach for America's impact in Louisiana at tfagno30.com. I'm Mary Bliss McCrawson, and this has been episode three of Teaching Through Trauma from the 30 by 30 Transformation Series, sponsored by Entergy. Thanks for listening.